I knew that I was going to be successful from a career, but I didn't know that I was going to be able to do it with Betsy. So I needed to change my entire shakeup because I never wanted another moment like that disconnect that I felt in the Denver airport. She was like a colleague to me, and I hated that. This week, I speak with husband and wife team Warren and Betsy Talbot, authors of Married with Luggage, a book that tells their story of how the two of them made their marriage a priority by selling everything and traveling the world. Because our conversation ran a bit long, I've cut this episode into two parts. The cut is pretty abrupt at the end, actually, but there is a teaser for next week's second part that I think you'll enjoy. So enjoy the first part of this special two-part conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am excited because today we have not one, but two special guests. We have Warren and Betsy Talbot. They are the authors of Married with Luggage, What We Learned About Love by Traveling the World. Uh, This is a book uh, that they sent me uh, a few weeks back, and I got to tell you, it is fantastic, and there is so much stuff to get into. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, to share this information with you guys. So first, uh, thank you so much for joining me uh, from Portugal, uh, Warren and Betsy. Hey, Steve. It's great to be We're here. We're delighted. Wonderful. We're looking forward to talking to you. Um, so you guys, just to give the brief synopsis, um, you know what? Actually, rather than me do it, why don't you guys give the brief synopsis of what this book is about? Um, because I think you've probably told this story a hundred times and can do it pretty concisely. Well, it, when we were, it was 2000 and 2006, and it really started there. And we were at the, at the end of our ropes with our relationship, and we realized that we either needed to make a huge change in our life or we needed to go our separate ways. And that's pretty much the foundation of where, you know, the, the concept of the book begins. And it starts at a pretty dramatic point. I mean, we were at the uh, the Denver airport, and we lived in Boston. So you're probably asking yourself, why were they in Denver? We were each flying on different business trips around the country. We met there thinking it was going to be this hot, sexy date, and instead, we crashed into the reality that our relationship was sad and pathetic and going down the toilet. And so the book traces this idea from the point at which we were at our lowest until the point where we are now, which is traveling the world together. And so what in, what occurred over those eight years, what has uh, transpired, what we've learned along the ways, and the adventures that we've been on, because we decided that we were going to commit to each other. We were going to make our relationship the number one priority that existed for each for the two of us. And in the process, our entire life kind of took this weird, crazy direction. And in 2010, we sold everything and started traveling the world. You know, yeah. I didn't think of I didn't think about it until just now, but I think we went from roommates to partners. That's yeah. really what it was. Back then we were roommates. That was it. I, I like that because, well, it, I mean, the way you guys describe it in the book, I mean, that is how it seemed uh, in, the, in those beginning stages where you guys were very uh, focused on taking care of your careers and doing that sort of thing. Um, but, and you, and you rarely stop to connect with each other. And that was one of the things that kind of unfolds in the book is how your intimacy builds, um, throughout your relationship. Uh, but I guess my first question for you guys, and I'm going to kind of go chronologically as the book tells the story here a little bit, uh, you decided, um, even before you made the decision to 
sell everything off and go travel the world. Uh, you decided to take your honeymoon to Paris instead of a big fancy wedding because you talked about how you wanted to create these memories together. Um, and and you also mentioned that you were both married before. So I guess my first question is, in in an in the decision to not to have a big wedding, is it was it more because you've already experienced that and you and so you didn't feel the need to do it, um, or or was it or was it really that you wanted to create these memories together? And then the second thing is is um, was Paris your first big trip together? Um, well, I would say that uh, the reason that we chose to do this is because at, with this being our second marriage, we both realized that the day you get married is the least important day of your relationship. It really is. It's the start, and it is walking through the door of what your relationship is going to become. And so we decided not to put so much emphasis on that and to put all of our emphasis on creating what kind of life we wanted to have together. Now, obviously, we fell off track along the way, but um, but at that moment, we realized that the ceremony itself was not as important as the words we said to each other and the intent we had and the life that we lived afterward. Yeah, because there's so much that goes into a relationship. And I think that's what we had learned. I had had a big wedding. My first one was huge. And what I learned is that it really didn't matter what the, uh, the ceremony itself, if you don't spend all your time and energy devoting yourselves to creating this life together as partners, then the ceremony is an interesting memory, but then all that's left is the shattered remains that you have to clean up along the way. And so we decided that, and I think that Paris probably was our first big trip together. I'm trying to think of anything. Yeah, we were that. we were thinking of like romantic destinations, and for yeah. us, we had done some travel outside the country, but not a ton. I mean, we had each been to Italy and a few other together. places, but not together. And so that was, I think, our first big trip together outside the country. Yeah. Yep. So during so during that, I mean, you're obviously in the honeymoon phase of the relationship, but would I mean, I'm assuming that left a pretty good taste in your mouth about how well you guys could travel together internationally then? Hey, I would say that it did the opposite. It actually oh, really? taught us, it, it exposed all of the uh, differences in travel styles that we had that neither of us realized. Well, I think that's the the secret to uh, a good relationship is to go on a trip together and find out if you can really hack it. <laughs> uh, but but I think what was tough for us is that we had both done some travel on our own, but we had not done it together. Right. And it, it opened up a few things. But I also think we're both really curious people, and we both thought that we were going to have travel in our lives. As a matter of fact, the very first conversation we ever had was about travel. Yep. So so it's something that we're it's, – it's important to both of us. Mm. It, you know, I'm I'm really glad you guys mentioned um, all that stuff about the wedding ceremony itself because I mean, really, for Hitch, that's kind of what we preach. Is there's there's tons of resources out there on like how to plan your perfect wedding, how to land the perfect man or woman, but there is very few resources out there dedicated to how you can live happily ever after. How do you do that post wedding life, which is takes up much more time <laughs> and much more effort than than the wedding itself does. So I'm I'm really glad that you I mean you guys had some foresight into that right up front so that I think that's that that's a good start. Um so when when things weren't going well, uh you both decided to write a list of things to change um of what you'd like to have and and what was not going so well. And by the way, I really love this idea. Um I noticed that there was a lot of communicating and travel uh, apart. You know, you guys have been traveling apart for the things that you'd like to change list. 
yeah, are not 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 communicating, but commuting. You were doing a lot of commuting individually, as you mentioned the the Denver stopover <laughs> uh, <laughs> sit down, um, and then a lot of items um, that you wanted for the things that you wanted to implement were almost like forced interactions um, on that second list. Uh, was it clear for you guys? that you needed to have some of the, those more forced interactions and forced intimacy um, once you had seen the list laid out in front of you? Yeah, I think that's absolutely a good way to say that, Steve. I mean, for us, what it was was that we had grown so far apart that what we needed immediately was, you know, planned dates, you know, moments when we had to be in the same room together, everything else turned off and just the two of us because we had to learn how to be together again because we had spent so much time where my career was my top priority, Betsy's was her top priority. We needed to almost reform it. And I think that was really important for us. And for me, I think there was a distinct lack of connection, physical intimacy, emotional intimacy. And we both felt that lack in our lives. And we knew that we had to set up a lifestyle that encompassed all of that so that we could get it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And and I guess because you guys were both so career-driven, um, and you, you've, you've mentioned this a couple times already about uh, prioritizing uh, your relationship. What was it that like really – because so many people have um, their priorities in life. and But you both seem to be successful in your careers, uh, but you did decide to prioritize your marriage first and your relationship first. What really was it that, that made that the focus of your priority – as opposed to other things. I think when you make a certain amount of money in your life and you find out that you're not happy anymore, then you realize money isn't your ultimate goal and money's what's tied to your career. And I think that what that's what we found is that for us, you know, we looked at everything and we said, if I continue to make this wonderful career and path and, and I don't have anybody to share it with, if I don't have more importantly, Betsy to share it with, then what's it worth? And that was the issue that's changed it for me is that I knew that I was going to be successful from a career, but I didn't know that I was going to be able to do it with Betsy. So I needed to change my entire shakeup because I never wanted another moment like that disconnect that I felt in the Denver airport. She was like a colleague to me, and I hated that, mm-hmm. and I never wanted to feel it again. And so we had to make it, you know, just the, through conversation, determine what was breaking, what was in, what was standing in the way of that. And it came down to the careers. And I think we both looked at each other and we we redefined what success meant to us. I mean, before it was, you know, getting the next promotion or buying a new car or whatever. And then we looked at each other and said, what really, really makes us happy? And it's discovery and it's doing things together and it's building a life together. And we weren't doing any of those things. No. Mm. So, I mean, because you do talk about um, downsizing and things of that nature. So um, I'm, I'm presuming that there was some collection of you, you talk about building a life together. So there was a collection of things, mm-hmm. um, but you weren't doing this type of thing together. Is that well, a- building things together and building a life together are two different things. Yeah, because we, <laughs> like, we know what it's like. We all we buy houses that are larger than than the one we had before because that's the what we're supposed to do. Yes. And then we fill it with things because that's what we're supposed to do because there's empty space. And that's just part of the cycle. And we were part of it. We had been a part of it for a long time. When we made our list, it was not about reducing the amount of stuff that we had. It was about creating the lifestyle that we wanted, which meant moving into a city. Mm -hmm. And moving into a city usually means moving into a smaller space, which meant we needed to downsize. And so 
The goal was not less possessions. The goal was simply the right amount of possessions to fit the lifestyle we wanted versus this path that we felt we had been on that was someone else's dream for us. I think that was the big lesson because I know I looked at a lot of minimalist blogs and then I also looked at a lot of, you know, how to design your perfect life blogs. And really what it comes down to is what kind of life do you want to live? And then you let your possessions, your activities and all that flow around that. Yeah, it's about, so we sat that and that's what our entire list was, was what we wanted. And we put at the top of that list, we want to stay together. I mean, honestly, that was where it started. <laughs> and then after that, it was like, what would that look like? What would make us happy? The and funniest it, thing on the list, you'll have to say. Yeah, is it being able to walk to nine ethnic restaurants. I, uh, I that thought, was the most important thing. <laughs> honestly, I think it's so funny that you, you brought that up because I thought that was such a great, poignant um, bullet on that list because that is – it's. It's very specific, but it's also so defining about where where you guys wind wind up, right? Because it, it is. there, like, you can just immediately scratch off a, a huge swath of places that you would you would consider living. Well, and people who read our book tell us this all the time that when they get down to the day to day, when they make this list of what they want their day to look like. Things like that open up and they think, oh, well, I've always wanted to have X and we live at Y. We could never have X with Y, so we have to make this big change. And before, they had never thought about it that way. And that's exactly what happened with the nine different ethnic restaurants for us. Yeah, I love that. Um, and and I, I, I did think – like this makes you like, – what I love about your book is that it makes you think about your own life and the position that you're currently in and – I know that my wife and I, we are very goal-driven people as well, and we actually have one of the things that we did, um, I think on our first anniversary, was we took a picture of ourselves and put it in a picture frame, and then on that frame, we wrote down, where do we want our lives to be in 10 years? And we, oh, wrote, like this, that. we wrote this list of like 10 bullet points of the things that we want to accomplish, and then we kind of like work on these little goals about making those things happen. And um, I mean, we talk about it all the time about where we live and the lifestyle that we have and are we happy in those things. And I think that's what I love about your book is it makes you really reassess all of that stuff because as you guys found out that you, we, we live this conforming lifestyle because of this, what's expected of us in society and there's really no reason for it other than our own mental limitations, I suppose. You know, one of the things I always thought was that love was enough. And I learned very soon into our relationship that love isn't enough. You have to have a shared vision together, a goal of what you want your life to be, or else you're both just playing by your own player card and you don't realize until you come up against, you know, a roadblock that you're not on the same page. And by having these conversations and by saying these things out loud, even when it's uncomfortable, it ultimately leads to the life that you really want to live together. And it's really nice to hear you say that about our book because we sat down and wrote this book as our story. And what you'll see in there, and for all the readers out there when you go out and, and purchase your copy, what you'll see in there is that the um, we don't talk about you. It's not prescriptive. It is what we did that works for us. And we have made it, and we are currently enjoying our life together. But while our path is not the same for everybody, everyone has their own direction. The issue is, is asking that question of what's most important in your life, answering that, and then executing on that either together or separately, hopefully together, uh, <laughs> yes. going down that path. And you can see the path that we took because we, you know, we took a very logical, non-romantic approach. 
um, by making lists and creating maps and things. But at the end of the day, it created a wonderful life for the two of us. For me, it's very romantic. It's unromantically romantic, romantically yes. unromantic. Yeah. However, you want to say it. Well, I think I think what you guys did was you you did you came up with this unromantic plan to put you into some really romantic situations. Ooh, I well, like that. Well, Steve is now our PR guy. Um. <laughs> um Okay, so I, I did have a question because we – I think for some people, they may be inspired by your book to think like, oh, crap, I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to like run the rat race. I can actually you know, do what you guys did or some variation of it. Um, but the first thing that – one of the first things that you guys did was you put together this plan and then you started downsizing. How, how difficult was it for you to downsize during that time? Uh, the, the answer is going to be different for the two of us because for me, I took to it like a fish to water because I love the process of just getting rid of things. I like change and I embrace it with every fiber of my being. So to me, the idea of getting rid of things was a new process that I could jump into, the ability to sell things and to create space. Well, raw, raw, raw for you. <laughs> <laughs> I come from a long line of pack rats, and to me, nesting gave me comfort. And I did. I had to work through some issues on my own to think about why I needed possessions to feel comfortable and happy. And I, I think I liked it that it took us two years to get rid of all of our stuff because it gave me plenty of time to start processing what those things meant to me and to find an alternate way of cherishing memories and experiences. And um, now that I've let that go, um, it, it's made my life so much richer. I feel so much more free. And paradoxically, I feel more connected to the people and memories that I had before than I did when I had the stuff. Yeah, it was just, it, it's a beginning process. Once you start getting rid of things, you find that your attachment to it doesn't exist with the item itself. As the item goes out of your life, the memory stays with you. So through pictures or through just conversation, you can keep the memory alive. And that's what we've done with every item from our downsizing to the point where we sold everything we owned. Yeah, it was it was tough for me. I do have to admit that. But again, working through it together, Warren being patient with me, um, figuring this out together um, made it doable and made it one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah, I it, it's interesting though the two different perspectives because I feel like that's exactly how my wife and I are. I'm the one that is the nester and the pack rat, and she's the one that would just hawk it all tomorrow and and take off like and and so I can. But I feel like uh, just like you, Betsy, I feel like I've gotten better. She has definitely influenced me, and I don't have as much attachment as I once did. But I'm I'm still not at that level of freedom that you're at right now. I do think that there's an importance, and it goes. To the, to the whole conversation about your relationship as well is what is your goal, right? If the goal is, is just to you know, get rid of things for no reason or the goal is, is to move to a no, new city for no reason, it's hard to really get excited about it. Yeah, so I think you have to have a goal in order to do that. That's what helps right. the motivation in something like that. When you're going to something better, yeah. that helps. It also helps that we made a ton of money getting rid of our stuff. Warren is great yeah. at selling things. That also helps ease the pain a bit. But it, <laughs> it's important to have something that you can look forward to every day. If you're saving up for a trip, if you're getting rid of things to go on somewhere else, if you're changing your life and you can look forward to that, um, whether it be in your relationship or in your life together or whatever, there's an element to that that's really important to set a big goal and to remind yourself of it every day. Mm -hmm. uh, so it seems, while I was reading this, and this may not be true, but it seems like you didn't have 
much of a plan in terms of deciding where and when you would go to the locations that you wound up visiting. And and I can imagine that there was a tremendous amount of freedom that was liberating by just doing it that way. So I guess, how did you come up with the plan for the amount of money that you would need to make that happen? And, and did you ever worry about, um, oh, no, we're going to run out, or you should have done more preparation? Or did any of those concerns cross your mind either before or during one of your adventures? Oh, Steve, you have hit on every hot button. How I much have. time do we have? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can just sit back. I feel like I should be on a couch for this one. Like you could just analyze me now because for me, worry exists around two major areas. It was my career and money. And once I got rid of career, I let all that worry about money kind of creep in. My belief is, and my job before I left um, my career was I, I planned things. I would plan our software um, releases five years out. And so that's what I did in my personal life as well. I thought that if I could control everything, I would have more happiness. And so I controlled- How'd that work out for you? Yeah, not very well. (laughs) So it it was difficult for me. So when we first left, you know, the day after we made the decision to go on this trip, um, I started planning how much money we needed. Um, And we put an entire plan. We actually wrote an entire book about that process, about, you know, not just the uh, the process itself is how you do it, but also the emotional roller coaster that I went through of having to go from a planner to being able to figure out the process to figure out what it's like. Holy crap! Once you're out there, what's what's going to happen? By the way, what's what's the name of that book for those who are curious? It's Dream Save Do: An Action Plan for Dreamers, and that book um, documents everything about what we did step to step. And what I looked at for when we got there is, you know, I kind of defined what we needed to find, you know, kind of how to save for it. But once we got on the road, what I found out was that freedom you talked about exists in such a great way. I had to change everything about my being in order to embrace it because I wasn't ready for that level of freedom. And it took me about six months. Um, and luckily there was an incident the, um, you read about it in the book about Antarctica yeah. that kind of changed all of our plans. Up until that moment, we had a three-year plan of where we were going and what route we were going to take. And that that single opportunity of saying yes um, changed everything for us. And for those listening, he did say Antarctica, just <laughs> just so you heard that correctly. Yeah, on the way back from Antarctica, we took a left instead of a right. <laughs> Got lost. That was it. <laughs> and how about and how about for you, uh, Betsy? Well, for me, I'm much more easygoing. So this is kind of a great contrast to the whole stuff, getting rid of stuff thing, where that was really easy for Warren. Uh, it was tough for me. But when it came to when it comes to going with the flow and just taking whatever opportunity that comes travel-wise, I am like a duck in water. I mean, this is no big deal to me. Warren felt the need to plan everything out. I didn't care one whit. I thought, you know what? We'll wake up every day and decide what we want to do. So for me, not a problem whatsoever. But I remembered how he was with me when we got rid of everything. And I remembered the stress and strain that I went through and how he tried to understand me. And I turned that same thing back around on him. So I think that's been one of the great strengths of our relationship is not necessarily understanding each other, but repaying kindnesses like that to each other when we don't understand, especially when we don't understand. But I also feel that... um you do have a better understanding. I mean, you guys are expressing an empathy towards the other's feelings uh, that doesn't sound like it was there before. You're taking the other person's thoughts into consideration where it doesn't seem like that was happening so much in the beginning. 
Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) That's spot on. Good observation. Yeah, because we had this other priority. It became, you know, how does that, how does this decision affect my job? You know, so everything became about that. Oh, Betsy's going to spend another three days on the road. Well, you know, that really screws me up because I was planning on going on my own business trip, you know, and now I have to stay and take care of the cat. Oh, wait, and he has a job opportunity. He has this promotion opportunity, but how does that affect me? Because, you know, my career is just as important as his. And we really had a lot of that back and forth struggle with each other because we weren't working as a team. But it's only when we look back, and I think this will be interesting for you and your wife, Steve, when you look back at that every year on your anniversary, if you go and look at that uh, picture that the two of you have, you'll see how you've evolved, not just physically, but more importantly, how you've moved towards your goals. And if not, what can you do together? It's a it's a spark of conversation. And that's what's important here is all the conversations that we can create and the moments um, that we can connect with each other in the process. Yeah. I it's, it's, an, it's funny because all I could think of like just a thousand cliches flowing through my brain about it's all about the, the, the journey, not the destination and all that kind of stuff. But, but you're, you're so, you're so right in that. I mean, yeah. I, so I had a question. So, okay. When you, when you decide we're going to, we're going to pack everything up, sell it off, travel the world. Why start in Ecuador? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not, why not start in some, like, like why not ease into it? Like, like you mentioned, like start in Paris or Italy or, or something like that. And then work your way from there or something. I would say that for us, it was really the first moment of my opportunity to become more comfortable with spontaneity. I think it's serendipity. So we have a great group of friends, and this was one of the things that was a problem in our life before. We never had time to have a social life. So that was our goal. When we moved to Seattle, we met great people. One day, I'm at the mailbox at our little um, enclave of townhouses. I'm talking to my neighbor. We're talking about this trip, and she says, oh my gosh, when you start traveling, you need to go to our house in Ecuador. And I looked at her and said, you have a house in Ecuador? (laughs) And that is literally how it started. We decided to start saying yes to these opportunities, things that came up, people that we knew, great advice. We decided to stop trying to control everything. And that's how we ended up in Ecuador. Hmm, Interesting. And, and, how scary was it when you realized that you had essentially achieved like complete freedom? I mean, you talked about this a little bit, Warren, uh, f- freedom in your lives to pretty much go anywhere in the world and do just about anything that you wanted to do. It's um, at the moment. I, it's interesting that you're asking me now. We're four years into it. It'll be our four year anniversary here very shortly uh, being on the road. And so that first six months was hard and I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't understand how to handle the lack of structure, the lack of plans, the lack of anything. But now the freedom is it's a part of me. It is who I am. I can't imagine it being a different way because I love I hate when there's anything in front of me that restricts me. And so restriction becomes like the enemy and I look to avoid it, but I love the opportunity that it has created for me. And I am, Betsy can probably attest to it more. I think I'm a different person than I was four years ago. You are a different person, but I think from day one on our trip, because you had been working toward this, I mean, so for those who don't know, the day that we left on our journey uh, that we had been planning for and saving (laughs) downsides for for two years, there was a political coup attempt in Ecuador. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so so Warren went with the flow. I mean, as much as as you're talking about the right. fear of change and all that, you really dove into it, and I was amazed at how comfortable you seemed with this very scary scenario. But now the freedom is one that 
I love and embrace. I mean, we just, you know, we're here in Portugal. This came up on a whim. Somebody needed a house taken care of. And so, boom, we're here a week and a half, two weeks later. And that freedom is something that I probably, I could never imagine giving up now because it is something, it's a part of me. Mm-hmm. I, it, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the coup because I thought that was just <laughs> <laughs> like, what a way to start the whole thing off. Um, so in the, in the book, you talk about how you literally, like literally being closer as you traveled around the world uh, brought you closer emotionally and increased your intimacy. Uh, was there one discovery during your jur- journey that, that stands out for the two of you? That, like one incident that stands out that you're like, wow, this is, this is what we had been hoping we would achieve by this experience? I wouldn't say the last part I wouldn't say because I didn't go in with an expectation that we were going to have like these major epiphanies. I didn't know how much we needed to learn, honestly. That's probably it. Um, But in retrospect, Slovenia. Slovenia was not the country. I love the country. But while we were in Slovenia, I learned something about Betsy that I never understood. And that was the idea that she's an introvert. And those words, the words introvert and extrovert are bantied around in our uh, in our nomenclature quite a bit. But I just thought it meant she was shy. She's not shy. So I just thought it was a label she put on herself for some weird reason. I didn't understand it. But she was having a conversation with a friend. And through the course of that, she said, look, I get my energy from being alone and kind of being away from others, whereas Warren gets his energy from being with people. And it was like this weird, crazy light bulb moment like they have in the cartoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It changed my entire perspective of Betsy. Well, it's funny because for so long he thought I was rejecting him and I didn't know that you felt that way. Um, So that was a big light bulb moment. I think for me, the big light bulb moment was um, probably when my backpack got stolen on the train (laughs) in Hungary. Um, I was devastated and I I consider myself to be a fairly um, competent person. (laughs) 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 And, um, you know, when this happened, I mean, my brand new MacBook Air, our business, yeah. um, you know, my passport, my credit cards, everything got taken that was important to me. I didn't care about my clothes. I mean, if you've seen me online, you know my clothes are pretty <laughs> grubby. But um, but I was really upset, and I expected Warren to yell at me because I had done something dumb, putting my bag up at the top, and he didn't. And I, re- I realized at that time that he was more worried about me than about our laptop, about our money, about anything else. He wanted me to be okay and to feel safe, and that he could take care of the rest of that. And it was just an amazing teamwork moment when I realized I fully deserved to be bitched out at that moment Mm -hmm. or to be yelled at at that moment. And he didn't do it. Uh, I, well, you, I mean, you spend, uh, I think it's almost like a full chapter talking about that experience. So you can tell that, I mean, it was one of those light bulb moments for you. I think that was pretty clear in the book. Yeah, I was so scared. I felt really violated at that moment. And he was he swooped in, saved the day, made me feel comfortable, and uh we resolved everything. And like he said, it's it's just money and stuff. We'll we'll figure it out. And we did. Yeah. It's interesting too, Warren, that you talk about um your new understanding for Betsy's introvertedness, I guess you'd say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I feel I it it I it, it's really interesting for me to talking to you both because I see so many similarities in personality type between you guys and my wife and I, because I feel like I am the introvert in our relationship. And when we travel, there are like, I bring my running shoes and things because she knows that I need that time alone uh, to like gather my thoughts and to like, 
regain my energy as you described. And that's exact. And we've had those very specific conversations where she has literally asked me, uh, do you need time alone for a little bit? Because she has that understanding now of what our needs are. So it's very interesting, like the similarities, but I think that's probably why I enjoy this book so much is because I saw so much similarities uh, in you guys and us. Um, I think it's, it's interesting that you say that because I, I think we overestimate the knowledge that we have about our partners. And that is so, it's so great that we do, but I didn't know that I didn't have this knowledge until I was sitting there in Slovenia in a kitchen. And then it just kind of hits me like a, you know, like, like a lead balloon, lead balloon, like a lead brick like an <laughs> falling on my head. It's keeping yeah. the uh, cartoon reference going, but that's a wonderful thing to know when you know your partner and how they get energy or how they respond to a certain situation and you can help and give them what they need because that's what we all look for is those opportunities to give our partner what they need but sometimes it's so confusing to the two of you that you end up spending all this time and energy wasted I think for me in the beginning of our relationship I looked at the things that Warren wasn't good at or the weaknesses that he had as things that I had to tolerate or things that were workarounds in our relationship and what I've learned over time is that you know so many of so much of what he is is good and wonderful to me that these small things are things I need to be looking out for. So I think of myself much more as a caretaker for those things now than as being annoyed by them. And I think that has made all the difference. We've both done that in our relationship. Agreed. Yeah. like you. I mean, you're stronger as a unit than you are independently because you are able to see those – I don't want to call them deficiencies because they're not, but they're things – strengths of one person that the other person perhaps lacks – um, or skill sets or whatever it may be, and you complement each other in that way. Okay, we're gonna, I'm going to take that particular soundbite, and I'm going to play it right before it. We're right in the middle of one of our fights. You can remember <laughs> it because we Perfect. forget that in the middle of the fight part. But we are, we are very complementary to each other, and I think that's one of our biggest strengths because, you know, we also work together. So, so traveling together, working together, and being life partners – um, you know, it does require a lot of that appreciation together. And it, it took a long time for us to get yeah, to this point. Agreed. Or so, it, it did me. Okay, so as I hinted at the beginning of this episode, we're going to stop it abruptly here. But you definitely don't want to miss next week. Here is a little teaser from Betsy. I think the best thing for me was when we had to do our first border bribe. And <laughs> I... I have to say, I am an oldest child. I'm a very obedient child. I, I am I am a rule follower. Until then, you can follow Warren and Betsy's adventures on their website, marriedwithluggage.com. There, you will find their own podcast, videos, and various books that they have written, including Married with Luggage, What We Learned About Love by Traveling the World. We also have a link to the book on our podcast page under the description of this episode. If you have any thoughts, comments, or questions, you can always reach us at our website, hitchedmag.com. Connect with us on the various social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, Google+, Instagram, and more. And if you love this podcast, be sure to let others know by rating us on either iTunes or Stitcher. It's an easy way to say thank you. So that is going to do it for us this week, but be sure to listen to part two next week. And until then, have an adventurous week, everybody. 